Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Discover North Korea. I am Zoe from Zoe Discovers and today I am pretty excited for our episode. I thought I would have a little bit of fun, do something a little bit different. Um, everyone has been talking about ChatGPT lately, AI, is it going to overtake, take over the world, you know, um, all of this. So I thought I would have a little bit of a play and um, have some fun with it. So today's episode is basically going to be um, kind of directed, I suppose, by ChatGBT because I asked it, basically, for some common myths on North Korea. And this episode is going to have me talk about those myths, bust those myths, um, and, um, and just have some fun with it. So before we get started into that, I just want to say thank you for joining me again on this episode. We are up to episode 24 now, which is amazing. If you didn't listen to the last episode, then it has an explainer or uh, rather an apology um, as to why I, um, I did miss a week. Um, but from now on, hopefully we will be carrying on the weekly podcasts as things also start to get more positive in the world of North Korea tourism as well. Um, I did discuss very briefly in the last episode that um, unfortunately no North Korea tourism hasn't started yet and probably won't start for foreigners for the next couple of months at least because there are several um, hundred at least uh, I guess um, of North Koreans still stuck abroad. Um, there has been a lot of speculation on whether uh, North Korea will open again sometime soon. It may do um, but tourism is still not looking likely, at least for the next couple of months. But 
you will be the first to know if you are um, following me and if you are following Choreo Tours on our various platforms. You can find us pretty much everywhere on um, at Choreo Tours or at Zoe Discovers or at Zoe Discovers NK. You can pretty much find me on all social media, media platforms there. Finally, I do just want to say if you enjoy this podcast, if you want to support this podcast, then do um, consider giving um, it a rating, giving it a like, whatever you can do on the platform that you're listening to it on. And if you really like it and really want to support um, all the work I do on my various social media channels, then um, consider becoming a patron on my Patreon page. Um, thank you very much to all of my patrons. Absolutely fabulous. Thank you to Pat, Paul, The Boat Dwellers, Stephanie, Eric, Yusuke, James, Masaki, Simon, Alex, Charles, James, and CTF and also Isle, I think that's how you pronounce it, and Kevin. Thank you so much for your support. It does help to keep this um, channel going and all of my other social media channels. We will be having our monthly um, kind of hangout. We do um, hangouts on Zoom once a month. We will be having that this weekend, hopefully. Um, so if you want to become a patron, then you can be a part of that as well. And finally, uh, for the announcements um there will be a competition um on my youtube on my instagram and on my other social media platforms coming out next week so you guys if you are listening to this when it comes out you'll be listening to this on the 22nd of june now this competition is going to go live um i think in the first week of um sorry the first weekend of july so that will be um the first or second Either way, um, get ready for that. Go over to YouTube. Um, there will be a fun video that comes out. Um, I'm really looking forward to this video. And with it, there will be the competition as well. Um, so that is something to look out for. So I think that is all of us caught up so far. If you do have any questions, if you have any comments, any recommendations, anything that you want to say about the podcast, get in touch on zoediscovers at gmail.com. If you want to be considered for a tour to North Korea, as soon as the border opens as well, you can send an email to info at choreogroup.com and, um, and they'll put you on a list that will give announcements as soon as we know. So... Let's get stuck into this episode, which I have to say I'm pretty excited about. Like I said, I kind of just gave a couple of prompts to ChatGPT. Um, you may either be really sick of hearing about it at the moment, or you may be excited about what you've realized that it can do. For me, when I first heard about it, when one of my friends first told me about it, honestly, I wasn't that excited. Um, I'm not really into like tech. I'm not really into like, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. It's not that it scares me. Um, to be honest, I am of the opinion, I mean, it's up for debate, to be honest. Um, I'm not an expert in this kind of field, but I am not one of these people who's very scared of it. I do understand, um, so, you know, don't worry, but I'm more of the opinion, like, this is probably what people felt when Google first came about, you know, very scary, um, it's a whole new realm, uh, look what it can do that us humans can't. Um, and that turned out to be fine. So maybe I'm just being naive about it all, but um, I'm feeling pretty positive about ChatGPT. Um, I use it for various things in life, actually. Um, uh, I keep finding new uses for it every day. Um, and I believe, at least, um, for me, it works, um, you know, as something that helps me 
to do my daily tasks in life and just kind of helps to make them easier and more organized and stuff like that. For example, um, and actually this is the first time, you know, you see a lot of influencers um, that have used AI in various ways to either help them make thumbnails on YouTube, to help them write copy for posts. I've never actually used ChatGPT or AI to help me write copy for something, although I do help it kind of, re um, although I do use it at university to kind of help me rewrite stuff sometimes if I can't get um, something exactly right or I need some inspiration, it's kind of really good for that. I've never used it for social media purposes yet, so I was kind of wondering how I'm going to integrate it. I don't really feel comfortable with it writing my posts because I feel like I want to keep my voice. So I decided to use it um, to basically generate the most common myths about North Korea and so we're going to have some fun busting them today. This is basically something that I would have typed into Google anyway. But I feel that using ChatGPT, I got to save some time by, instead of opening, you know, 10 articles that said top 10 myths on North Korea, um, instead I got to have like a condensed version of that. I, it actually came up with over 40. Um, I typed in two prompts. Uh, the first one I asked was for the um, 20 most common myths. And then the second one was um, the 20 most hilarious myths. Don't worry, we are not going over all of those today. I've basically picked out my favourites in terms of, you know, they're just so ridiculous, they're hilarious, but then also ones that I actually really do want to talk about because I think that they're important and also ones that are very, very common misconceptions. Um, so there will be uh, just over 20 of them. Let's see if we can get through them all today. I think we'll be able to get through them all. Let's start with a funny one, I suppose. Um, and I would love to, sorry, I would love to hear your feedback on this, um, whether you have heard these myths before, whether you think that these myths are so ridiculous, whether you actually thought that they were true, or, you know, whether, yeah, whether I missed something off as well, I would be really interested to hear. Okay, I promise we're gonna start now. Number one, Kim Jong-un can control the weather. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that this is definitely a myth um, and we can quite happily bust this one, although I do have a little bit of an anecdote. And honestly, I've only like skim read these, so I'm thinking about a lot of things when I read them um, and I've just um, remembered a kind of anecdote about this. Um, so of course Kim Jong-un cannot control the weather in the way that you're thinking about it. Um, and I don't know if this is true for Korea or not, I presume it's not, but I mean, it's very amusing for someone who's lived in China um, that, uh, a little anecdote here, whenever there is something big that goes on in China, and I lived in Beijing, so I was at the heart of, you know, big things going on. For example, in, I don't want, don't quote me on the year because I can't quite remember, it's either 2017 or 2018, I'm pretty sure that Donald Trump came to China when he was a US president. And China have this amazing ability of being able to clear the air um, and basically, in a way, control the weather um, when there is an important event on in Beijing. And this doesn't mean that the Chinese government have some kind of weird 
supernatural powers or that they have this crazy contraption that can basically change the weather. It's not like that at all. What I basically mean by this is that um, they basically, you know, can shut off all of the uh, coal plants and things like that that produce very bad pollution and they do that um, in the time before. It basically helps to um, clear the air before. So usually when you know that there's going to be a big event on in Beijing, you can be pretty certain that the skies are going to be clear for, um, you know, a week during that time. In fact, it's it's so funny that when you're in China and you have a week or two of really amazing blue skies and weather and no pollution, then you kind of have to ask yourself, hey, what's going on? Is there something, you know, is there something really big going on? I to be honest, don't ask me the science behind it. Um, you know, they may also have like contraptions that help it rain, which then like uh, clear the air as well. No idea. Either way, this is a phenomenon that happens and it's very amusing, um, but also it doesn't work 100% of the time. I remember specifically being in Beijing for a very big anniversary. I'm going to have to look up what anniversary it was. I had to check whether it was 70 or 75. My math is bad. Um, it was their 70th uh, anniversary um, of the People's Republic of China. It was founded in 1949. And so I was there in um, in 2019 and they had very, obviously it's a, it's a very important time in China, right? And I remember there were various um, shows on, like air shows and stuff like that, but on that day you couldn't see them very well because the weather was really bad. Uh, so it doesn't always work. Um, it's not a ultimate control of the weather and uh, I cannot say for sure whether North Korea also have this ability or not but it is certain that um, in the way that I'm sure lots of people are thinking um, when they think about this myth can Kim Jong-un control the weather it's a, it's a definite no for that one. Number two North Korea is completely cut off from the outside world. Uh, this is an interesting one and I think a lot of people are surprised there's going to be a technology question that comes up um, in a bit, so I'm going to stick to the non-tech side of things right now. A lot of people are surprised when I tell them that no the North Koreans are very highly educated. Um, obviously, uh, the North Koreans that I work with, they are North Korean tour guides. Um, they're very highly educated people. They are, you know, in a kind of upper class. They're not as is another myth, they're not government minders and they're not from like the super elite. Believe me, the super elite are not wasting their time working with tourists. Um, but they are, you know, in a class of people that get to go to university um, and they get to live in Pyongyang, which already filters them out as, you know, fairly, fairly well off people. Um, these people, however, they, they are very, very highly educated and they know so much about the world that we wouldn't presume. Actually, they have such a good education. They know, they've taught me stuff about history easily. Um, they've taught me stuff about geography. They know a lot more than you would think. Um, at the same time, they know a lot less uh, than you might think as well. So they are very naive to some things in the world. Um, and whether that be things like Gosh, it's hard to think of an example now, but an example of them being very naive, for example, um, I was looking for a uh, flat in Beijing and 
one of the guides that I was talking to, usually very worldly, very well educated, he just couldn't believe the fact that, you know, I had to find my own apartment and that I had to go through all of these very tricky processes to, you know, basically find somewhere to live. Obviously in North Korea they get given housing and they don't have to live or worry about these things. Um, he, you know, was actually very grateful at that point. He was like, I am so glad that we had, don't have to go through all these things. And I was like, I totally get it. Um, other things in terms of education-wise that they can be um, a little naive about is, I think I've spoken about this, I don't know on the podcast before, but definitely on social media, about a, um, this is not so education, I suppose, literature, but I had a um, a guide, a friend, who we were in the library in the uh, Grand People Study House, and he was very excited to tell me that they have this new audiobook system in the library, where, as far as I'm aware, you basically can download it onto your phone and then listen to this audiobook onto your phone. I don't really know how it works. You do have to pay for it. It's not free but it's, it's kind of a, a minimal cost, and you just basically download it onto your phone. He was very excited to tell me that they have Harry Potter, and he was asking me, you know, is it popular? And I was like, yeah. Um, and he was like, should I go and get it? And I- There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's like totally. So he he ran off for a minute, you know. Um, we were we were having a tour around the the um the library, and then he came back, and he told me, "Hey, um, I got Harry Potter, Chamber of Secrets," and I was like, "Oh, did you read the first one? Did you listen to the first one?" And he was like, "What? There's more than one." <laughs> um. And I was like, yeah, this is the second one. You should probably go get the first one first. And I don't know whether it was just because this is all the library had access to. Maybe they just had book two. Um, they definitely have book one in the library as a physical book. Um, they show it to foreigners and stuff like that when you go in. I don't know. Maybe their only access to an audiobook is the second one. Either way, bless him. Um, it's just a very uh, innocent and naive moment, but also, you know, quite sad that at the end of the day, their naivety does mean, um, it, you know, is because of their lack of education in a lot of areas and their isolation from the world. Um, other areas that they're pretty isolated in this kind of thing are, um, I would say, in you know, the West now and, you know, generally around the world now, uh, big topics are sexuality and, um, you know, gay marriage and stuff like this. And, I think those are really topics that 
the North Koreans are just very naive with and they are completely, you know, cut off from the outside world. If you ask a North Korean, um, if you ask a North Korean, what about gay people in North Korea? Are there gay people in North Korea? Then the answer is always the same. If you ask a North Korean, how are gay people treated in North Korea? Are there pe gay people in North Korea? Is gay marriage allowed? All of this. Then the answer will always be the same. It's that, you know, we respect, we um, accept gay people. We're not against them. Um, but there are no gay people in North Korea. This is always the narrative. It's not my words. Um, but yeah, this this tends to be what they say. So, you know, they're very naive when it comes to that. Um, there's very little sex education, um, stuff like that. So they are cut off from the outside world in a lot of ways. And these this is only in, in terms of education. Obviously, they are cut off in various many other ways as well. I just kind of wanted to highlight the point that um, actually, you know, although they are cut off in many ways. They um, they have this amazing education system, which is free, um, and they are very, very highly educated people. I mean, you just need to listen to the guides speaking English or, you know, whatever language they trained in to know that their education system, I mean, must be doing something well because for these people who have never been abroad before, to learn languages that, like they do, is, um, is absolutely you know, incredible. I mean, I've been trying to learn Korean for the past few years and it's it's nowhere near as good as their English and for, for people who have never been abroad before and have minimal access to um, foreign media and materials and stuff like that, um, it's quite impressive. And just on that note as well, most people think that absolutely all foreign media is not permitted. This is not true as well. Uh, you can actually watch various foreign films, listen to various foreign music, um, stuff like that. It's just very limited, obviously very censored as well, um, and a lot of these materials are only available um, at, you know, official places like a library where you can like then watch it or um, you watch it as part of university, something like that. So number three, sorry we're gonna have to uh, get through these a little bit quicker. The Pyongyang Marathon is open to everyone but only North Koreans are allowed to win. This is hilarious. Um, <laughs> As, as someone who has seen, with my own eyes, foreigners win, is this is definitely not true. I never actually heard this myth before, but it makes sense that it's a myth. You know, I can understand where this has come from and why it might be believed as well. Um, I suppose, you know, in the, in the minds of us thinking like, oh, it's such a failure or an embarrassment for North Korea to lose, so of course they're not going to let foreigners win in the Pyongyang Marathon. Anyway, um, foreigners are allowed to attend the Pyongyang Marathon. They are also allowed to win it. Um, there's, you know, two kinds of categories that you kind of enter into. There's like the elite category and then there's the um, non-elite category. I think this is kind of normal for a lot of marathon runs as well. Um, and I myself have entered into the 10 kilometer run. This is way back before I started running. If you don't know, um, like that side of me. I am a runner, I guess. Um, I started running during um, the pandemic and I've since gone to do like ultra runs and stuff. So I'm very excited and prepared to do a run in the Pyongyang Marathon and I'm going to do the whole 42k, definitely. I don't know how pressed I, are on, I am on trying to win it, but 
for sure I I will probably try and I mean to be honest I'll probably try and film it at the same time so I don't think that it's going to be my fastest marathon ever it's actually really nice because it's really flat Pyongyang is is famously very flat it actually itself means like flatland um so it should be a fun marathon and you get to see a lot on the way it's very cool although I've heard from the full marathon run people that you know, most of the fun stuff is like the 10k and 21k route and then you do just kind of get into weird, a bit dingy territory where it gets a bit boring and a bit industrial um, the, the more you, the further you run. But nevertheless, it offers a very unparalleled experience in North Korea. Obviously, you don't have two guides running next to you. So it is a, it is a kind of very freeing experience as long as you can deal with the fact that there's barriers to the sides of the road and you can't really escape those barriers apart from if you need to uh, go for a quick um, toilet stop. The Pyongyang Marathon though I could do a whole entire episode on it um, and I will at some point let me know if, um, if, that, if that interests you. I'll make it a priority. If not I'll probably do it around the time of the marathon next year. Um, it's, it's such a cool experience. So the next one. Um, North Korea is a hermit kingdom with no modern technology. Well, <laughs> this one is a tricky one because I mean yes and no, right? It's not the hermit kingdom that everyone is thinking. Um, I, we just talked about how it's com you know not completely cut off from the outside world. It is missing a lot of modern technology that we have, but it also you know arguably has a lot of technology in terms of you know, can a such a cut-off state with very poor technology create nuclear weapons and stuff like that, right? But in terms of like its general technology and stuff on a very basic level for the people, then I guess it's missing out a lot. Um, you'll see a lot of outdated equipment when you go there. Obviously, it has... Um, its own intranet system, which arguably, you know, is, is a very impressive thing to build. It, it built its own kind of internet, although it is at the same time very limited and, um, and quite poor in what it offers. They do have a lot of their own technology though. Um, they have their own mobile phones. Um, I, again, I'm pretty sure I've spoken about this here, so I don't want to go into detail too much, but they have two different mobile phone brands. This is all information from me from before pre like COVID times, pre 2020, right? I'm really excited to go back and see what is different now, but they did have um, two kind of main uh, phone makers. That's the Pyongyang phone and the Arirang phone. Uh, it's kind of similar to how we argue about Androids and iPhones and um, everyone has their own favorite, but in reality, they both look pretty similar. They're just normal smartphones. So, you know, apparently they're producing their own smartphone technology. Things were getting, they were using their phones a lot more uh, in recent years since I started working there. Um, they have apps um, that's very similar to things like Candy Crush, um, but then they also have food delivery apps that they were working on whilst they were there, although that hadn't come into fruition. You could see it. I saw the app and um, I was looking at the app. It's so interesting, but then there was no way to, um, you know, I don't think it had actually started working by the time that I was there. And the rest of the stuff, you know, if you look at other pieces of technology around the country, it's so weird because it can be like from zero to a hundred, you know, you can be talking about uh, big rockets and impressive 
things like that and then you can also look in your hotel and you can see a phone that looks like it's from the 60s or 70s and it probably is it probably hasn't been refurbished um since since it was first built back then so you do get a lot of um kind of contradictions and i think that's the same in a lot of ways in north korea you know it's it's kind of full of contradictions um, but whether we can state that it's a hermit kingdom with no modern technology, I think it's pretty fair to say that that's a myth. Um, considering all of the sanctions that they have put on them as well, it's arguably impressive the amount of technology that they have. But at the same time, for the for the normal local people of North Korea, it is very limited. And when I say there are lots of smartphones going around, I'm generally talking about the people in Pyongyang. Um, obviously out in the countryside the use of mobile phones is much more limited apart from I might say um, on the border cities there's probably a lot more smartphone usage going on there okay next one um, North Korean traffic officers are chosen based on their height and good looks this one is a tricky one because there is no official source that says you know like yes or no to this it's a hotly you know talked about topic because all of the traffic officers they are tall and good-looking, and they're often women. However, interestingly enough, there was a period of time, weirdly, that the that these famous North Korean female traffic officers kind of disappeared in North Korea. I think this was 2019. Um, they seem to have, like, reappeared, or, you know, it seems to be business as usual, but there was a time period when they disappeared and they were replaced with either guys or just not replaced at all. They are very famous um, symbols of Pyongyang, I suppose. It's, um, you know, one of the one of the things that you think about, um, one of the things that a lot of people think about, and this is something that's often quoted, is that, you know, they're based on their height and good looks. And now I can't say whether this is true or whether this is false, but I will say that they are highly talented people. They are, their moves and stuff like that is absolutely incredible. Um, the way that they can stand there in all kinds of weather throughout all the year as well. They have various different uniforms to do so. And um, the way that they can keep the traffic order is very impressive. And it is, I can see why they're so popular and why they're such an iconic symbol of Pyongyang because to watch them is uh, mesmerizing. Um, but they are there to keep order of the traffic and they're not there just because they may or may not be pretty. I think that's very important to um, to remember. Okay, the next one. North Koreans have no access to the internet. Again, pretty similar to um, the last couple of ones we were chatting about, but slightly different. I'll talk about slightly few different things here. So I did mention that North Korea has an intranet. Um this is true so it does have its own internet system and that is mainly because yes it is pretty much entirely cut off from the internet and that is you know our www.worldwideweb system it's pretty much completely cut off from that however there are you know a few a very few handful of people a few elites should we say that do have access to the internet you might see some social media accounts uh, north korean social media accounts popping up um popping up uh they are very interesting to look at actually and um, one can presume that because of these social media accounts 
there must be some form of internet at least to a few people in North Korea. So no, they don't have internet access um, for the North Koreans, but for foreigners, you can buy yourself a SIM card, you can use certain very limited Wi-Fi access points in a couple of the hotels and at the airport as well. So if you are worried about going on a tour to North Korea and and absolutely can't have your Instagram gone for like five days without posting anything or something like that, then you don't need to worry too much. Um, there is a possibility to get internet, although it's a little bit tricky, um, it's a little bit hard to set up, and it will probably be the most expensive internet in the whole world. I have a whole episode on this, so um, if you haven't heard yet, do make sure to go back through the episodes and look out for that one. One thing that I do want to say in terms of um, the past couple of things that we discussed that's similar to this topic, especially being cut off from the outside world, it's so funny because a lot of people, when they go to North Korea, they always want to show the North Koreans Facebook and Instagram, and they're like, oh my gosh, look at this thing that we have, and it's like called a social media network, or social network, and stuff like this, and like, this is Facebook, and oh my gosh, look, isn't it amazing? And the North Koreans just kind of like stare blankly at them, and they're like, yeah, we, we know about Facebook. Um, and I'm not saying this would be like the same with all North Koreans, um, this is a very select, um, you know, a select group of North Koreans that would know about Facebook, um, maybe they chat about it amongst their friends as well, but the ones that have common interactions with foreigners will probably already know about North Korea, you're not doing them a big favour by like, you know, showing them this magical app on your phone. The funniest thing about this though is not even that they already know it, but the fact that like they're just really not interested in it. They just don't get it at all. It's kind of like the same thing of showing your grandparents Facebook and being like, wow, look at this. Isn't it amazing? And you know, your grandparents are just like. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast. And I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com like, I, I don't get it. Like, why would you put your private lives onto the world? Why would you want to share all these pictures? Like, I don't get it. Um, and of course, I've grown up with it. Um, and I'm sure a lot of my listeners have grown up with it. Some of them may have not, but 
you know, when you grow up with it and it's in your life, you think of it as something that is ingrained in your life. It's something maybe you can't live without or it's something that you find useful to your life. Maybe you find it addictive as well. Um, but for them, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, they're not too excited about the prospect of social media. But maybe it's something that might come to North Korea in the next few years. Who knows? There have been a lot of advances um, in technology and especially the way people use their phones. Um, I saw that already in 2020. People taking pictures with their camera phones, stuff like that. Um, using Bluetooth to, you know... Um, share files and photos and stuff like that so it would just be really interesting to see when I can finally get to go back hopefully in 2023 what kind of developments there have been there in terms of the capabilities that the technology has but also like the social aspects of it what they are using these things for and um, will there be you know a North Korean social media on the horizon Okay, this next one is quite funny. Um, I had never actually heard of this one before. And if anyone believes this, you know, I'm sorry, but there's no help for you anymore. <laughs> the North Korean government claims to have discovered a unicorn lair. How exciting. Um, I really wish that this were true. I would really like to also find this unicorn lair. Unfortunately, I have to say, I just, I don't think that this one's true. I think we can be pretty, um, what's the word? pretty confident in saying that this one is probably a myth, it's probably not true. Um, and also, I'd never heard of this one before. If I'd have found a unicorn there, I think everyone would know about it. Um, but it seems that um, they've kept this a little bit quiet. I haven't heard about this um, myth. I'd be interested to hear if you guys had heard it before, but I think we can safely say um, it's probably definitely a myth. Funnily enough as well, if you are into... Um, unicorns though you may be interested to know um, not that they're related but I mean dinosaurs unicorns they're fun creatures right um you may be interested to know that there are dinosaur footprints uh in North Korea and this is one of like the attractions that you can go and visit I bet you never considered going and visiting and um, seeing dinosaur footprints in North Korea it is one of the more bizarre attractions just because one no one expects to go to North Korea and see dinosaur footprints and two because of the bizarreness of where this attraction is and like how you just kind of arrive at it it's basically located on the Pyongyang Kaesong highway so that's the highway that connects Pyongyang with um Kaesong which is the border city which is where the DMZ is it basically goes all the way south and it's basically on this highway it's this random building that feels like it's literally in the middle of nowhere um, just this white plaster building. Basically, footprints were discovered in January of 1990 during some road maintenance. And you can go into this small building and you basically, you know, hear about uh, Korea's um, time in the dinosaur age. And then you go and see the footprints which are on display. And you can, um, you know, examine these and... Um, it's, it's very fun and exciting to think that, of, I mean, of course dinosaurs were there um, if they were all over the world, right? Uh, before the times of these, uh, you know, borders that we have. Um, apparently the original uh, discovered track was about 100 metres long, 15 metres wide, and at a 20 degree slant emerging from a rock face. Uh, the tracks are thought to have been left behind by two dinosaurs, an adult and a baby walking together. Uh, but only part of this track is on display. Nevertheless, it's a, um, a very interesting 
a place to visit and absolutely bizarre. Um, there is a little bit of an entry fee, but really, it's um, it's just very uh, a very cool attraction that I bet you never thought you would see in on a random highway in the middle of North Korea. Uh, these footprints are thought to date back um, 80 to 100 million years ago, which actually, apparently, for all of the dinosaur nerds out there, um, makes them from, um, correct me if I'm wrong, um, and I probably, oh no, I can't pronounce this, the Cretaceous era? which is 65 to 145 million years ago. No, I need to check up that pronunciation. Hold on one second. Okay, Wiki tells me I pronounced it correctly. So the Cretaceous era, so the Cretaceous era, that is when they date back from. Very interesting. At that time, much of what is today Western Korea, from Sinuiji through Pyongyang and Sariwon onto Pyongsan and Kumchon, there would have been a series of lakes, rivers and swamplands, which were ripe for laying down sedimentary deposits and fossils. Later on, geologic upheavals lifted and twisted these formations out of their original positions. Along the highway, you can see evidence of such metamorphism. Metamorphic, metamorphic marble is also mined in the region. How interesting. And that paragraph was taken from an article that is linked in this podcast episode that is called Dinosaur Footprint and Fossils in the North Korea Travel Guide offered by Corio offered by Corio Tours, so do check that one out if you want to know more about these dinosaur footprints. On to the main topic though, let's get back on track and um, and on to the next one, which is a bit more grim, uh, going from dinosaurs and unicorns. Um, number eight, everyone in North Korea lives in poverty and starvation. So I have to give a little bit of a disclaimer here. I did um, obviously go through a lot of these myths and um, and veto and filter out some of the ones that I didn't think were appropriate to talk about on the podcast. Um, you all know that I try and stay apolitical as much as possible and um, this means that a few topics, you know, I don't really discuss publicly. Um, everyone knows as well that I, well, I do try and let everyone know and I do try and make it clear that I do self-censor and this is another example of where I did self-censor. Um, I, I cut out a lot of the myths um, that ChatGPT had put to me just because I don't really feel comfortable talking about it on this podcast and also this is not what my social media channels are about. Um, you know, for me it's about talking about the other side of North Korea that doesn't get a look in in the media. If you want to talk about um, camps and nuclear weapons and politics and stuff like that, there are lots of other places that you can go to. So for me, it's it's more about like the human aspect of North Korea, stuff like that. However, you know, I kept this one in. I think it's important to address. Um, and whether we can call it a myth or not, um, it's tricky, you know? Um, Everyone in North Korea lives in poverty and starvation. I think we can definitely say that it's not true in terms of, you know, not everyone in North Korea lives in poverty and starvation. This is not a topic that I can get into in too much depth, just because I don't have the amount of knowledge available as well. Um, and that's for two reasons. That's one, because I'm not, you know, an expert in um, in humanitarian aid and stuff like that. But also because it's very, very hard to get, um, you know, news 
and data and stuff like that out of North Korea. Um, I think a recent statistic that I saw was that a fairly large percentage of the population, so over half of the population, live in um, live in extreme poverty. So, and obviously, everybody knows, you know, the the, the amount of you know, reports from defectors, the amount of things that you see on the media, there is a lot of poverty that goes on. Um, North Korea have in the past requested aid, you know, it's it's no actual secret actually that, um, you know, a lot of its population, they suffer from malnutrition and stunted growth because of it. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that all of the people in North Korea suffer in poverty and starvation. And I think it's actually um, we can say that it's a myth to say that and I'm not trying to discount all of the accounts that you know say that there's a lot of poverty and say that there's starvation for sure there is but I do think that at the same time we need to consider that North Korea is developing and there is a whole society you know within Pyongyang but also in the outer areas as well not so much in the countryside but also in bigger cities where you know people are walking around with a smartphone or two um you know before sanctions and stuff there was a lot of luxury items uh, being imported into the country this is obviously for you know more of the elites and stuff like that but at the same time there is some kind of demand for this within the less kind of elite but kind of well-off population in Pyongyang. There are some bougie, chic cafes that are popping up. People go out for dinner, people go out for restaurants, and I will always remember this time when I was in Pyongyang and I had no tourists with me. I was basically staying in Pyongyang between tours. I had about two or three days without any tourists, and I was taking the guides out for dinner. And we hadn't... This is also a story that I tell to show people that North Korea can be a little bit spontaneous as well. Um, because when you're on a tour and you're in a group of like 10 or 20 people, of course the restaurant needs to be booked beforehand. Of course the restaurant know that you're coming because, you know, in whatever country that you're in right now, tell me if it's fine to turn up to a restaurant and you have 10 or 20 people. Like, no restaurant in the world would be happy with that, I guess. Um, especially, you know, if it's a busy evening, a Friday night, something like that. So of course we book the restaurants in advance. Um, and to be honest, I was naive with this in terms of like, I just thought that because we're a foreigner, we have to like make a booking in advance. Um, but actually, I found out when I was there by myself, it's not like that. You can just show up to restaurants. You don't need to book in advance, even if you're a foreigner, like if you're just one or two people. But if you don't book in advance, then you may come across the same situation that I had, which was showing up to a restaurant and then being turned away because there are no seats. Um, and, you know, this is not one of those instances where they turned me away because I was a foreigner and they didn't want to serve me because they didn't have enough food or they didn't want me to be in there or whatever. We literally walked into the restaurant and it was heaving, absolutely packed. Um, and the, um, the restaurant lady was very apologetic and was like, I'm really sorry, but we don't have any seats at the moment. Um, and we could have waited, but we just went around the corner to a different restaurant. So, you know, there can be a little bit of spontaneity when you're in North Korea, but probably not when you're on a group tour because try be spontaneous with 20, 30 people does not work. Back to the original topic though, you do have this, you know, more well-off side of North Korea. And um, whilst at the same time, uh, 
you know, there is poverty and starvation that we can't forget about. There is also um, this other side of people eating out in restaurants um, and potentially having a little bit more money um, and this kind of side of things too. Gosh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get through all 20 of these. Next one is, uh, oh, this one's quite funny. Kim Jong-un's haircut is mandatory for all men. And I've grouped this with another one as well. Kim Jong-un's haircut is scientifically proven to improve intelligence. Some um, some really big claims right there. Um, and there was a lot about the haircut thing, actually. It's so funny what, like, <laughs> you know, people, like, cling on to. And it's so funny how we find his haircut so funny. Um, I don't know why, to be honest. Is it just because it's really, like, prescriptive? Like, it's always the same um, and doesn't change much. And, like, it's only Kim Jong-un that has it. I don't know. Anyway, um, there was a lot about the hair. I have to say... Um, Kim Jong-un's haircut is mandatory for all men in North Korea is very not true. In fact, I think that it's, like, probably the only haircut that you're not allowed to have. It's probably, like, a haircut that's, like, reserved for Kim Jong-un, as in, like, you know, how dare you try and be as good as or impersonate, um, you know, our great leader. Uh, if there have been so many instances of tourists going in to the hair salon, because you can get a haircut there when you go to a spa or whatever, or maybe in your hotel there's a place to have a haircut, and the guys, they always go in and, or they always ask me, like, hey, Zoe, can I ask them for, like, a Kim Jong-un haircut? And I'm like, please don't. Um, there's probably been so many instances of tourists going in and asking them, and they, they probably know how to react now, but they're not going to give you, like, a Kim Jong-un style haircut. Um, they probably find it very offensive if you, if you ask for that, um, because I can see why, um, you know, foreigners might think that it's uh, a really nice thing to say to them, like, oh, you know, I want a haircut like your great leader. Um, but actually, I think the North Koreans will probably take it pretty offensively and be like, you are not worthy, basically. Um, for this next one, uh, Kim Jong-un's haircut is scientifically proven to improve intelligence. intelligence. I think we can all agree on the fact that that is probably a definite myth. <laughs> Next one, North Koreans are not allowed to travel abroad. Okay, um, I have a YouTube video on this one where I kind of tackle it. Um, I don't think, maybe I've kind of talked about it on the podcast as well. Um, this is also a yes and no. Uh, it's a myth that they are not allowed to travel abroad at all because they, they certainly are, especially before COVID times um, and indeed before 2019 UN sanctions that basically meant that um, there were no uh, abroad North Korean workers allowed anywhere in the world anymore. Um, before this, there were quite a lot of um, of foreign workers, um, sorry, of North Korean workers in foreign countries, mainly China, Russia, stuff like that. Um, firstly, there are North Korean diplomats abroad. So, you know, th there are definitely at least some people that can travel. Um, there are also a lot of students abroad. Um, again, mainly China, Russia, that kind of thing. Um, they don't travel like we travel. They don't go on holiday, um, at least, you know, the normal North Koreans don't. Um, it's also very hard to obtain a North Korean passport, and it's very hard to be able to get the permission to go abroad. You have to have a reason to go abroad. You don't just travel abroad for fun. Um, domestic travel, however, has been on the rise, I've heard recently. Um, I think that that's what, um, you know, our North Korean uh, guides are busy with at the moment, doing a lot of domestic tourism within the, the North Koreans themselves. But in general, um, they are not allowed to travel abroad. But that doesn't mean that all North Koreans are not allowed to travel abroad. There are still some. And also there are still some um, stuck abroad. It's a very, um, you know, kind of sad untold story in the world at the moment. The North Koreans that are stuck, stuck abroad in 
China or wherever they may be when the borders um, closed for COVID and they just ended up stuck outside of North Korea because North Korea have kept their borders very, very tight indeed. Okay, this next one is fun. North Korean scientists have developed a special kind of ginseng that grants immortality. I think we can say that this is a myth, right? <laughs> Nothing can really quite achieve immortality, although ginseng is said to have some pretty exciting and interesting powers. Um, it's well known within Korea and also within China, within um, you know East Asian medicine and stuff like that to have a lot of um, health benefits and um, the guides will be very eager to tell you that ginseng does a very good job in um, helping to keep men strong. I won't uh, go any further into that statement but you can take from it what you will. And in fact there is a fabulous joke that they make about ginseng. It's definitely probably not um, PG enough for this podcast episode but I, I might just uh, put it on Instagram so look out for that. Nevertheless I think we can say that this is a myth. Ginseng I don't think ever can grant immortality although it does have some great powers. Next one, North Korea is a closed society with no foreign visitors. Well, this one is easy to bust because um, <laughs> that's my job, you know, to go to North Korea. It is shocking the amount of people that I meet. I would say 90% of people that I meet and tell them what I do, they immediately respond with, wow, you can go there. Um, and that is part of what I'm trying to do on social media here, promote North Korea tourism because I believe in um, the good um, and ethic, you know, the, the fact that North Korean tourism is ethical and I believe in the good that it does both inside and outside the country and I will continue to promote that because most people don't even know that you can do it. So that's kind of why I do what I do here. Um, it is a closed society in a lot of ways but it is not as closed as you might think and there are certainly foreign visitors, there are also foreigners that live there, um, diplomats and business people and stuff like that. And interestingly enough, these people, um, they don't have to walk around with guides and minders. You know, people seem to think that all foreigners in North Korea, none of them um, can walk around by themselves. Imagine living in a country and not being able to walk by yourself. Of course you can. If you're a foreign diplomat, if you live in North Korea on a, you know, specific like living visa and have, you need like an extra permit. If you have this permit, then you can walk around by yourself. You may get stopped um, and asked for this permit. So, you know, if you're a foreigner and you're on a tourist visa and don't have this permit, do not try this inside the country. You will definitely get told off and you will get not only yourself in trouble, but you will get the guides in trouble. Indeed, you will probably, you know, the main trouble will be had by the guides, not yourself. So do think about these consequences when you're thinking about breaking the rules in a country like North Korea. Okay, next one. The Pyongyang Times claims that North Korea won the FIFA World Cup. So this one is hilarious. I actually had to look up this because I'd heard it before, um, but I, you know, I wasn't sure where this myth had come from or like what it was about and stuff like that. And it basically came from the fact that it was like some spoof, someone made this spoof thing, um, news announcement of North Korea that basically announced that it had won the FIFA World Cup. Um, but it you know, and a few news outlets picked up on it and were like, oh my gosh, look, North Korea has reported this. 
like literally some people, some news outlets, some respected journalists believed this and published it um, as um, as the truth. And that's where this myth kind of came from. But it is indeed a myth. Um, North Korea never claimed to have won the FIFA World Cup. Interestingly enough, though, an absolutely fascinating story. If you've never heard of this before, I cannot recommend this documentary more. Um, it's called The Game of Their Lives, and it is about... The football team that in 1996 went to um, entered the World Cup and they got into the quarterfinals, beating Italy. It's so interesting and so you know surprising um, and really an incredible feat. Um, unfortunately, they didn't get any further than that in the World Cup, but. Um, at this time, they were actually the first Asian team to had uh, to have um, advanced so far in a World Cup. So really amazing achievement. There was a lot of um, talk in South Korea about how um, you know this is another myth. How when these people the, the they went home and obviously they didn't win the World Cup. So apparently you know they were all sent to camps for being like um, you know a disgrace on the country and stuff like that. That's entirely not what happened and you can watch this documentary called the game of their lives i will link it into the show notes it's an absolutely amazing documentary um done by um nick bonner of choreo tours he's like uh, ceo of choreo tours and also daniel gordon um it was produced in 2002 and um it basically shows the amazing amazing story of this football team and they basically go back and find them they go to North Korea they interview them and also bring them back to the UK to Middlesbrough where this game was hosted um you can see the the people in Middlesbrough as well how they just kind of took these North Koreans on and how I mean I just think this whole I just love the whole idea of sports diplomacy and stuff and it's just so human the interactions that these people have um, and suddenly, you know, they're not North Koreans, but they're football stars, and it's it's really incredible, very very um, human kind of um, kind of experience. So do check that one out. Okay, the next one: um, all North Korean citizens are spies for the government. This is a big topic, which we are not going to get into. Um, but I want to address this in terms of the guides or so-called government minders that you might have when you're in North Korea. I will always say this. Um, they are not government minders. They are guides that have um, gone through university and various years of training to become guides. Um, they are on your side and they are there to help you and protect you from the other people or who are, you know, looking out for foreigners to check if they're doing anything wrong and stuff like that. If a North Korean guide tells you not to do something, it's not because like they're nasty or like it's not because they're trying to, you know, get you. Um, they are probably very aware of someone else that's watching, um, something like that. Um, so, of course, like, not all North Koreans are, like, spies for the government. Um, it's, this is such a big topic, you know, um, there is a lot of issues with, um, very little trust in the society because everyone does kind of, like, you know, look out for the other and that's how the society kind of works and that's, that's also why there's so much kind of, like, fear in the society as well as, you know, you don't know who you can trust really, um, but I think it's not very fair to say that all North Korean citizens are spies for the government. Okay, this next one, a little bit more light-hearted. Kim Jong-un can talk to dolphins and has a special underwater palace. Amazing. Um, would love this to be true again. Um, I don't think that it is. 
I wouldn't put it past them to have a special underwater palace, but I don't think that that exists, unfortunately. Can talk to dolphins? Hmm. Not sure anyone can really talk to dolphins. North Koreans are not allowed to marry outside their country. Um, generally, yeah, true. Uh, the amount of people, honestly, like, I'm sorry, guys, but can you really stop doing this? On tour, the amount of people, of guys, it's never girls, so sorry, guys, um, but the amount of guys that ask me, can I get with a North Korean, can I marry a North Korean, to be honest, it's inappropriate and kind of disgusting. So if you guys could stop asking me that, that's great. Um, also, you know, please respect the North Korean women like they respect you. And besides, even if it were okay for you to marry or get with a North Korean, that doesn't mean that they necessarily want to do so with you. Generally, on a serious point, um, outside marriages, like marriages with foreigners is generally like not permitted. Um, I will say kind of a solid, almost definite no with that one. However, you know, there are foreigners in North Korea or there have been instances of marriage with foreigners in North Korea. For example, the famous Joe Dresnok, he was a, an American citizen who um, married a North Korean woman and has a family and he has passed away now, but his sons are still very much alive. They're, they're often used as movie actors in North Korean film. Um, so he, you know, he married a North Korean and then, um, I also met Kenji Fujimoto, who is the, um, the very famous Japanese guy. He was the family chef for the Kim family. Um, he owns a restaurant in Pyongyang and he also is married to a North Korean and has, you know, a North Korean family, um, and stuff. So it's, you know, it's not a definite no for, for North Koreans to marry foreigners, but it's, it's generally not accepted. The next one, which I'm not going to look up actually, but I'd be really interested to know who was the actual inventor of this. Kim Jong-il invented the hamburger. Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-un's father and the last leader of North Korea. Did he invent the hamburger? Probably not, let's be honest. And um, There are a couple of hamburger joints in North Korea and what I refer to fondly as North Korea's McDonald's that are about six or seven different kinds of burgers available there. And yes, one time I was with a tourist who did order to himself all of these different kinds of burgers and try them all. Um, it was an entertaining sight to see, um, but I doubt that it was invented by um, the humble hamburger invented by Kim Jong-il, I cannot imagine. Okay, getting towards the end now. The North Korean <laughs> the North Korean regime has its own brand of hangover free alcohol. Send me some, please. Um I don't know about you guys, but um I am feeling the pain of being in my late 20s and um and having hangovers. Uh I am definitely not um not like not able to uh, to handle my alcohol like I used to and also not able to uh, to recover like I used to, uh, late 20s, early 30s, hangovers last a lot longer. Um, yeah. <laughs> so if, uh, if North Korea, you do have your own brand of hangover-free alcohol, please share it with the rest of the world. We are in dire need of it. All of my, um, all of my millennia, all, for all of uh, my millennials that can relate to me, we are in dire need of it. North Korean women are not allowed to wear makeup. False. Absolutely false. They love it. Um, not so much like you might see in the West, um, you know, big, crazy, um, thick eye makeup and 
uh, stark red lips. Um, but no, North Korean women are totally into their makeup. Indeed, you never see them walk out without it. I don't think I've ever seen a North Korean without makeup on, apart from like when we've been like swimming or in a spa or something like that. They are very, very proud of their appearance. They are very, very into their makeup and beauty products, just like South Korean, South Korean women actually. Um, and just like women all over the world, um, you know, very into their appearance and how they look. And it's very important. And I, I always say this. Actually, North Korea is the only place that I actually wear makeup. I don't wear makeup outside of North Korea in general, unless like I want to dress up for something. Um, I always feel like in North Korea, I definitely have to because, um, you know, they have high beauty standards. And it's not just about beauty, but it's about um, how you are representing yourself and how, you know, you um, you try and like kind of look nice and it's all about um looking you know professional and basically looking like you've done yourself up um and this is a very much of a pyongyang feel i've definitely noticed when you go out of pyongyang the girls are a lot more chilled out they might not wear high heels all the time um and they can be a little bit more casual with their clothing choices Okay, and this conveniently brings us on to our next one and final one unfortunately um i have no idea what <laughs> what prompted ChatGPT or AI to, to give me this one. Um, it's not my words, uh, it's ChatGPT's words. Okay, Kim Jong-un is the world's greatest fashion trendsetter. I just love the fact that this came up in this list. Although I can't confirm whether it is a myth or whether it is indeed um, a fact, I think that's down to everyone else's interpretation. Uh, but nevertheless, I love that it just came up on this list. Let me know. You you guys send me your thoughts in. Is it myth or is it a fact? And that one ends this um, this nice discussion uh, from ChatGPT. Thank you very much, ChatGPT, um, for providing me with these very interesting myths um, or facts to discuss with you guys. Um, it's provided me with a lot of lot of things to think about, to be honest. Um, I didn't expect some things such as, you know, the unicorn um, and stuff like that to come up. But um, I hope you all enjoyed listening to um, to this slightly different episode. Let me know in the future if you would be up for more um, chat GPT dictated episodes. And, um, and do make sure to come back next time. Make sure to look out for that competition that will be coming out next week on my YouTube. Um, it will be a lot of fun. I will give you more information on it. Uh, in the podcast next week so do make sure to come back thank you very much and if you do want to get in contact it is zoediscovers at gmail.com see you next time